and they're like, it's like a radio show, but on the internet. And then I was like, that sounds fucking gay. Check it out, bro. I still had this fire blast. You were dead, even if that sound didn't last. And I could have made a copy with the twin cap. And if you countered it, I had that elemental blast. Okay, I get it. Can we move on, please? You got a case of that still had all these. Welcome to Redcast Winds number 10. This is your host, Lewis, with Jason. Hey. And a special guest from Commander Cast, Byron. Hey there, I'm Byron. So, we don't have really much to talk about this, like, this cast. Uh, we're just gonna talk about standards quickly, cause, uh, Jason, you went to a Star City Games Open? Right, I went to, uh, Star City Games Open Baltimore. And, uh, I went 5-3. I played Wolf on Ramp, like, pretty much a lot of people. Uh, deck's pretty good. You know, the standard is pretty open. Did you ever play Valakut? Uh, no, because every time I would play Valakut, I just decided that instead I was going to play, um, Bird, uh, Squadron Hawks and Swords. <laughs> Which was a good choice, but it was more because everyone keeps making that stupid comparison that it's, oh, it's Valakut. Yeah, it's not Valakut. Well, Primeval, well, Primeval Titan plays a huge role in that deck. I mean, yeah. let's be honest, that's the card that really runs the Wolf Run deck because you get it's, it allows you to just tinker for Kessig Wolf Run so easily. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, Primeval Titan's, like, really good in the deck, but I, I did win games where I didn't have Primeval Titan, so it's a little bit more, it's it's less linear than Valakut was, um, but it's not as powerful. Yeah. But you also get to play a bunch of Force in the green Ram deck as opposed to, like, 17 red sources. Yeah. yeah, that does help. And then you get access to red-green dual lands, too. Yeah. You know, right, uh, I kind of switched away from green-red to, uh, I'm playing, uh, the green-white version now. So. And how's that point out? Uh, it's not too bad, but it's just like, you know, it's it's good, but there's a lot of stuff in the standard that's, you know, on an evil, even power level. So. Which is, like, a valid point. I mean, was it just probably accomplished their goal of making just about every archetype playable in the standard format? Uh, for the most part. There's still archetypes that are not playable, you know, like mill or self-mill or stuff like that is, isn't exactly there yet, but... Actually, I'm pretty sure there's a combo where you play Heartless Summoning, the Occultist, and Corpse Curse, and you get two Heartless Summonings out, and the occultists, then you can infinite loop the corpse curse to mill them infinitely. And it's an instant win. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty clunky combo. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's horrible. That's, it's horrible. That's like the Grim Grim Bloodline Keeper combo. Yeah, with Nicole. I mean, that at, least, yeah. that at least is somewhat applicable. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is you can run Murder of Crows. And you can loot infinitely. We're just so. not, we're just gonna stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now let's let's talk about an actual format where you can play whatever the heck you want. Commander, since nobody cares about the standard anyway right now. Yeah, Commander is definitely that kind of format. I mean it's it's like a it's like a blank slate. You can basically do like whatever the hell you want. You can play, you know, you can play goblins, you can play like you can play stacks, you can play ramps, you can play, you know, tribal birds, you can play, like, 
60lands.deck. I mean, you can literally do anything in the format. I mean, it's basically up to your imagination to come up with a type of deck to play and use it. And it's also probably the format's um, biggest weakness at the same time is the ability to do whatever you want because that's when you lead into the whole problem of, you know, the casual versus competitive split and, you know, like abusing a lot of degenerate and broken cards. But that's a whole other beast in itself. I mean, Commander, I've, I've been playing it for over two years now, and it's fun just because you can basically do whatever you want. I mean, you don't get that kind of freedom normal constructive format, so it's great to be able to do it for once and something else. So, um, like what you were talking about, any any type of deck, I, I actually have someone in my local game store who runs a budget mono red deck. Like, I, I don't even remember, I think their commander is Kamal Pitfighter. He's oh, that's interesting. Thing. And then and you get the lightning bolt people yeah. with it. Yeah, and it's just like really cheap cards, like bad versions of cards he could be running just because they're cheaper. And like it's just this for fun deck and he beats people who are running like Neville's disc and like all these destruction effects and he's just like, okay, bolt your face, I cast them all, hit you for three, hit you for three, hit you for three. But it's brought up a question, like his ping for three, does that count as general damage? Uh, No it does not. General damage only um, is when your commander um, deals combat damage. So cards, um, like damaging effects that aren't from combat, like Kamal's, like um, three to a player constantly, or like Niv-Mizzet, where he does one damage to um, a creature or player, uh, those don't count as commander um, damage. So, yeah. yeah. Like, we were pretty sure that it wasn't, but it, be, it became this, like, weird tension whenever it happened where it's like, do we move the dice or not? Or okay. No, it's definitely not. Yeah, so the fact that uh, general damage only works when um, your general does combat damage it encourages you to play with, like, more aggressive generals instead of just, like, utility generals. So it gives you an incentive to, you know, go in the red zone with... Um, bigger creatures instead of just holding back with like a, a skimpy 1-1 that has some sort of backbreaking utility effect. Yeah. Just ping them for 120 turns. Really? That's what you're supposed to do? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing Commander wrong. <laughs> Apparently you have. Yep. Tell us what's going on. You know, I, like, I've recently got into Commander. I just got into Commander when they brought out the uh, pre-constructed decks for it. So, you know, just like a lot of other people. But, uh, yeah, what do you what do you think about those? Because I actually um, thought that the commander decks were really great in terms of like value and like what you were getting for a whole deck oh, and just like introducing people to the format. They were crazy, like because like uh, so um, there's me, my brother, and a couple of our friends that all like basically just tossed in money, bought the decks um, to share between all of us and just play whenever we're together, and like. First off, the thing I gotta say is that for the most part, the decks are pretty well balanced against each other. So uh-huh. playing them against each other is pretty is actually a lot of fun to begin with, and I think it's a good introduction into the format because there's good interactions in the decks, but there aren't like completely ridiculous things like some people do in Commander. So yes, but there's I mean the decks are full of cards 
and, you know, like, every single deck has a Soul Ring, a Lightning Greaves, like, you know, like, Commander Staple cards. Yeah, and you get a Command Tower in every deck as well, which yeah. is an amazing land. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm really happy that we got them, and then my brother and I ended up picking up our own copies of each deck just to have. So, I mean, it's definitely yeah. worth it. One of the things I like about the Commander decks is that they're re- they're actually really good for being, like, pre-constructed decks, but at the same time, they're decks that encourage you to, like, improve them. So, like, you look at cards in your collection or your binder, and, you know, you take out, you know, some cards here and there, and, and you just, you know, keep building on what you have. And I think it's, I think the Commander decks do a good job of that. Yeah. Especially when you can use, especially when you can use the enemy colored commanders that are in each commander deck, and then you can just like make a whole new deck just based off of one of those commanders alone. Yeah, it's like my uh, my brother took the Riku deck that we bought, and like Riku is his favorite general to play, and you know he's added cards from our other card pool to like into the deck and made it better, and he's tuning it and working on it, and now he's in the process of like pimping it. So. Oh yeah, yeah. That's another thing that is notable about Commander is that because the cards never rotate, like in Standard, for example, uh, there's a much greater incentive to pimp out your decks because you're going to keep those cards forever considering it's an eternal format. I mean, like Vintage and Legacy uh, have this phenomenon as well because there's much more incentive to pimp out your decks there than it is in a rotating format. So, like, there are some, there are some people that do have, like, you know, Japanese foil everything in their deck, and they have guru lands and things like that, and like it, it can get really insane. Like especially when you throw like altars in the mix as well, so stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, yeah, there is a mar- there is definitely a market out there for uh, commander staples, especially when you get to foils and trying to find like obscure foils for some cards because some cards have really expensive foil prices. Yeah. <laughs> uh, re- I recently had a foil replique of the mini. It wasn't that popular, apparently. It's like the one foil. He's <laughs> not a bad general, though. He's actually one of the better ones because he's just so explosive at times. He's one of the few combat-based generals that can just end game suddenly because of the whole double strike to any attacking creature you have. So, like, if you have an insect creature... Or you have like Rafik with like a like a sort of blank and blank or two, and then you swing with them. I mean, you can end games like really quickly and just take people out of the game like in one swing sometimes. Yeah. Like I, I remember practicing for like some one on one EDH with Sean, who now writes for Commander Cast as well. He does like, indeed, and. I was playing Rafik, and there were just, like, hands where it was like, okay, I Rafik, okay, I play this sword, equip, and I invigorate, you're dead, 20 general damage. Yep, that's why Rafik is probably one of the probably one of the best uh, combat-based uh, commanders in the format, is just because of that explosiveness. I mean, it's hard to beat. Especially when you, um, like, like, the thing I really hate about Rafik is when uh, you put, like, Lightning Greaves or Swift Blue Boots on him or some way to give him Shroud, then he's a real pain to get rid of because then you have to scramble for, like, an Edict spell or uh, a Wrath, or otherwise you're going to die really quickly. Yeah. Um, so, like, 
what would be, as someone who plays a lot of Commander, what would be, like, maybe, like, the top five most hated generals to see on the opposing side? Top five most hated generals? Well, uh, in general, no pun intended, uh, the... I, I was going to say Arayo a couple months ago, but Arayo uh, recently got banned. But she used to be one of the most hated uh, generals. Um, aside from that, like, Ark Jackson is uh, really hated. Uh, Azami as well. Uh, Azami Lady of Scrolls. Uh, Zura the Enchanter is also really hated as well. Um, Captain Sisse is getting up there as well. She's not quite as hated, but um, she has evolved from being, like, like a random, like, flavor-based general to, like, being a really tuned prison-based general. And, uh, Sharoom is probably another hated general as well, just because, uh, Sharoom can fuel, um, some pretty easy combos and you're in the colors that have all the tier one tutors at your disposal to get them. Uh, there's a couple others I left out, like Joyra and Momir Dig are also um, pretty hated as well. But generally, it's, um, a lot of blue-based generals are pretty hated in the format just because blue is so obscenely powerful in Commander. So, Jason, you're still messing up in Commander then? I'm still From messing up because uh, I was playing Rafik, like, at, like uh, So that was basically the Commander I picked up to play, at, like, to build my own deck with. So I picked up Rafik. And I was playing with him in our, like, local area, and people started hating me because I was playing, like, I played Rafik different than most people do. I was playing Rafik with, like, Opposition and Glarus Abdul and Token Generators. Yeah, that can, that'll definitely draw, like, especially Opposition, that will really, um, piss off a lot of people because Opposition allows you to literally deny them of their mana. I mean, Glarus Abdul isn't that bad because it only turns off, um, creatures and artifact mana, but opposition is, oh man, I, I have some pretty bad memories of opposition because I remember starting Magic out just when Odyssey came out and Squirrel opposition was yeah. just killing my, killed my soul as an 11 year old. Yeah, so that's what I was doing. So people got mad with that because I was just killing them, you know, just lock everything, lock the game down and then just kill people one by one with, uh, with, my commander, so I recently decided to switch decks, and I picked up Joyra. <laughs> yeah, Joyra is um, fairly hated, just because she allows you to um, literally just cheat expensive spells into play for nothing. Yeah. I may have to think, rethink what commander I want to play next. <laughs> I think a good shortcut is try to avoid blue. That might that might help with I being hated. Blue. How, I know. How much does the play when I kept for like factor fiction and stuff? Well, there's a difference between like there's nothing wrong with playing blue in the format, but it's like the way you play a certain deck. So like for example, with Rafik, if you're using cards like opposition to actually deny your opponents resources, that's when they start to hate on you is because you're um, literally, like, um, keeping, preventing them from playing the game. So people want to get rid of you quickly before um, your grip on the game becomes, you know, insurmountable, and then you just choke them to death with that kind of um, prison lock, for example. 
So, like, factor fiction, it's not like, it's not a card that people, like, hate you for, because it's basically a, a simple draw spell. I mean, there's some politics involved in it, because you, you, obviously you can pick any um, player on the table to split the piles. But mainly it's stuff like, um, like fast combo and prison-based strategies. Um, generally, a lot of players um, aren't too keen about those. But I mean, like, if you keep your counter spells like in moderation, instead of just like playing like sixty counter spell dot deck, or just like you know playing prison-based stuff, or you're constantly tutoring for a lot of things, um, that will keep you from not um, getting hated out constantly. Hmm. So um, in this town, like this, it may just be something that is particular to the people in my area, but there's like this one guy in particular who plays like wrath everything. Like I, I there there must be like thirty different types of wrath effects. Like not just like day of judgment and things like that, but like destroy all artifacts, destroy all lands. Like there's actually one he runs destroy all enchantments. Oh, uh, like tranquil grove yeah. or. Clint, or, um, I'm trying to remember the white version of it. Yeah, like, um, I, I'm sure it's Scorn. That's what it is. And there was another one where, like, it had thresholds, and you get your enchantments back, and stuff like that. But, Part of meditation. Yeah. And he, like, he's playing mono-white, which is super annoying as it is, because he also tries to gain life, and I think he eventually tries to win off Beladar Sovereign, for the most part. Uh-huh. But he's also the guy who hates when people counter spells. So he's wrathing people's boards and gets pissed when when someone counters a wrath. And it's one of the most hilarious things, like when the douchebag gets gets uh, screwed over by people. Yeah, regarding the whole like you know loading your deck down with wrath. Um, it, it gets really, it does get annoying at times, but one of the things to keep in mind about, like, like, Wrath of Gods, or like any card in general that might give you problems potentially, is that there are generally ways that you can get around those kind of things. So like with Wrath of Gods, they generate a lot of card advantage if they, um, sweep a lot of things. But, one of the problems with Wrath of Gods is that they're generally, like, pretty bulky spells. They cost, like, four mana at the minimum for things like Day of Judgment and Wrath of God. And if you wanted to destroy, like, a lot of things at once, like uh, Chroma's Vengeance or Austere Command, you're looking at, like, a six-mana spell. And even though Commander is a format where you can play, like, you can play a big, like, you can, you can play, like, six and seven cast stuff and get away with it, you still have to have some sort of resemblance of a mana curve, because otherwise your, your hand's just going to be loaded down with all this clunky stuff, and it's going to um, hurt your tempo in the process because you want to do other things besides just sweep the board. I mean, like, Recursion, it's, it's funny, it, um, I go into this because Recursion is a big thing in Commander as well, and, like, sweeping the board constantly doesn't do you much good if people can just um, recur their creatures or recur their spells. So that's one of the reasons why uh, Graveyard Hate is a really important Commander, because uh, people want to get the most value out of their cards as possible, because the board tends to get wrath a lot. Not just like in a, a play group where someone's playing like a 30 wrath deck, but when you want to deal with multiple things from multiple players, 
uh, rafts are the go-to option. That's why they generally see a lot of play. So recursion is important because it allows you to keep replaying your important spells, especially when uh, you're playing a Highlander format and you only have access to one of a card. You want to maximize the value of um, of your cards if you can so that you can stay in the game and still have your resources intact. Hmm. So um, a big de- like a debate sort of that I hear is about having spot removal versus uh, sweepers on uh-huh. the format. And, like, some people say you should never run any targeted removal. Some people say, like, why are you playing Wrath Effects when you generally only need to deal with, like, one creature and stuff? And I know for the most part it depends on the deck, but, like, what are your thoughts on the sweeper to single target removal kind of ratio? Uh, I tend to... I tend to go in moderation, but I, I tend to lean a little bit more towards spot removal over uh, sweepers, mainly because with spot removal, uh, you can get rid of things really quickly and very efficiently. Like, say you want to get rid of a Sensei's Divine Top, for example. Uh, a card like Crows and Grip is fantastic at doing that. I mean, if you, you really can't get rid of the Sensei's Divine Top with, like, the Wrath of God effect, for example. Or like, like Nev- Neverill's Disc or something like that. I mean, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Uh, at the same time, uh, having instant speed removal is a huge plus for a lot of different cases. Like, for example, if a creature has haste and you have to get rid of a creature right now or it's going to do something really bad, that's when spot removal can help. Um, also, when your board position is developed, you don't want to... Um, it's not that great to wrath the board when you have, um, you know, nice board presence and you don't want it to all go down the drain. So um, that helps as well. Uh, spot removal is also good when you want to help someone out. Like, say you don't want to sweep their creatures away with a Wrath of God, but you want to kill, like, another player's creature with, like, a Source to Plowshares, for example. And then you can gain some diplomacy points there in the process. Um, that being said, I don't want to badmouth sweepers at all. There are definitely times when uh, they can be needed, like if someone's running token armies, uh Sweepers are obviously going to be much better there. Uh, if someone's playing like with a lot of artifacts and they're just dropping man artifacts like crazy, a uh, card like Shatterstorm or like uh, um, Creeping Corrosion, uh, those are definitely um, good cards to run if you want to get rid of multiple things at once. Um, at the end of the day, like I said, I prefer moderation in Sweepers and Spy Ripple. you got to have both, but it's probably better to have a bit more um, spot removal than sweepers because you need the, all the versatility you can in a format like Commander. Going back to the Commander Precon, since uh, my Dean deck is mostly taken apart at this point, which one would you guys suggest? Like, have you guys played with all five of them? I mean, I've really, oh, go ahead. Uh, I have. Um, it depends on what you want to do, like what, what you want your deck to do. Um, I'm pretty sure. I think it's Counterpunch is the one with Miniaplasm, and that's probably the most powerful. That's Devour, one. Devour, Devour Power Hour. Devour, 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 okay. Counter, Counterpunch is the one that has um, the Gave like, and yeah, yeah okay. and Corridor in it. Yeah, it so, was very misleading because you would think counter like counter spells, but it's counters because it's tokens. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that minioplasm is probably the most powerful. 
um, of the decks. Uh, the least powerful is probably um, the red, blue, white group hug deck. Oh, political puppets. Yeah, that's true. Like it's 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 fun to play, but you know it doesn't do anything crazy. So. If it isn't a big multiplayer, it's pretty weak kind of thing. Well, sometimes it can be. It, sometimes it can do its job, but at the same time, uh, you can't really like donate anything that's like gonna cripple your opponents because um, donate effects are generally good because you donate something that just you know cripples your opponent, like thought lash before the errata, um, cards like illusions of grandeur, uh, things like that. Um, I agree that uh, Devour for Power is the most powerful of the bunch. Um, I also think it's probably the best bang for your buck as well, because it has Song Simulacrum in it. Uh, it has Living Death. Uh, obviously, it has the Silver Ring, the Lightning Greaves in there. Um, has Avatar Woe as well. Uh, so you're, you're getting a pretty good deck, and you're getting um, two pretty good generals as well in the process. Steelplasm is really great. I talked about graveyard hate being important. Uh, Mimeoplasm gives you some graveyard hate, and he allows you to get a nice versatile creature in the process because of the ability to choose the creatures to exile. Uh, Damia is pretty good, just in the, the ability to just reload your hand pretty quickly with a draw seven, as long as she still stays alive. And the deck in general uh, has a lot of good stuff in it, so... Devour for power, I definitely agree, is the strongest in the bunch. <laughs> so, is what about uh, Riku, the Mirror Mastery one? Riku is actually pretty good. I mean, Riku is one of those um, generals where it has gotten to the point in my playgroup to where, like, as soon as Riku hits play, we get rid of Riku immediately. Like, if you untap with Riku, you're gonna you're you have a really good shot of just running away with the game because of the amount of card advantage and board presence that you can generate from the copying effects alone. Um, Riku is um, if if you're if you if you're um, if you're in a playgroup that um, doesn't run a whole lot of removal, especially like spot removal, uh, Riku can really cause a lot of problems. And I definitely um, think Riku is one of the better generals. Um, there's a lot of deck space you can uh, do with Riku, like one of the um, the Riku player that I play with, uh, he uses Warp World, and he copies Warp World a bunch of times, and then he slowly uh, erases everyone's permits because they're not flipping over um, permits to put into play, and he's running a lot of tokens uh, generation, so he's constantly like having his Warp World count high. Um, you can also do things like copy time warp effects, and you can take tons of extra turns, and that just allows you to just completely uh, run away with the game just on the extra turns alone. Uh, you know, copy, like, any spell, like Decimate, and copy, just, and copy creatures. I mean, it, it basically, if you untap with Riku, you are going to be doing a lot of ridiculous stuff, and that's probably the best way of putting it. So, Mimeoplasm, it is in my store. <laughs> We actually, for a, this town is pretty small, and we sold, like, out of Commander, like, I think, what, um, about six cases between the two stores that are here. So, like, I think that there's ten decks per case, so about 40 decks. And, like, 
halfway through another case. So Commanders is really popular, even with people who don't play a lot. Like a standard, at least. Uh, wow. I don't know. I'm, like, I'm still on the fence about Commander, or EDH and stuff. Like, I, it's the stupid Planeswalker points. Like, I feel like I have to only play standard. Just because of the grinding yeah. that is involved with Planeswalker points? Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I don't like about Planeswalker points is that it basically rewards grinding over skill. And uh, Magic is not an RPG. It is a card game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, keep the grinding out, or at least keep it to a minimum, or make, put, the grind, put the grinding to good use. I mean, if you're just going to... You know, playing Finite Magics and go like two and three each night and still keep getting Planeswalker points. I mean, I think something kind of needs to be fixed. Uh, that article they had in Channel Fireball where you had, um, all those pros, like you had LSV, uh, John Finkel, um, Kai was on there too. Um, there were a couple other pros on there. They were basically saying like Planeswalker points, uh, need to be looked at and they, um, definitely need to be revised because uh, there's some faults involved with the current Planeswalker point system. Yeah. No, like, um, the, the one nice thing is Wizards has at least, like, they're like, oh, you know, we're trying, like, we can't tell you what we're fixing yet and all that, but, like, try to have faith in them. But still, it's, if like, I, I was able to go to GP Montreal because people fundraised for me and stuff. Oh, that's but, awesome. Yeah. And I, like, I didn't make day two. I had a, a pretty, like, mad deck and, like, sealed pool. But then in the PTQ, I made it to the finals of a 290-person PTQ. It was nine rounds. I won eight and one, made it to the finals. And I started off the season pretty much in, like, top 23. And then, like, four GPs go by, and I'm nowhere near, like, I, I'm, like, 200 points, like, 200 points from being in the top 80, which is pretty much the spot where I need, like, I need to qualify. Mostly because of SCG being a, a multiplier of times three. All their events are times three. So that's insane amount of points, like, I think almost every weekend. And then people going to GPs and getting times five on all the side events. Yeah, a times five multiplier on GP and getting, and just playing and just grinding side events all day, that, that's that's basically that's just that's just screaming to be exploited. Yeah. I mean, there are people willing to to grind and do that. There there was actually um, so Melissa Del Toro, I think was her name. She she top aided in GP Santiago, but they like her and her boyfriend had pretty much decided that like once Planeswalker points were enough, that they were just going to go to every GP. And even before she top aided the GP, she was like. 10 places ahead of me. She was like 100 points ahead just because she was willing, like she could travel to Australia and I couldn't. And yeah, that's that's definitely an issue as well. I mean, uh, the only GP I've been to is uh, GB Portland, which was last year, and that was only because it was like a two-hour drive from where I am because I was in Oregon and I basically only had to drive like halfway across the state to go to it. I mean, I'm a college student I don't have a whole lot of money, so, like, going to things like Grand Prix and Star City Game Opens, especially in a place like Oregon, where there's not exactly a whole lot of stuff 
that's like major unless you count like Seattle. Um, yeah, it definitely um, doesn't do much justice for the people that can't travel well. You, you should Google uh, Prince George, British Columbia, because I, like, I, it's I'm I'm like closer to Alaska than I am to to the border. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Like, and I moved up here for my wife and stuff, and then they, they, like, and I was like, okay, whatever, you know, I could still, like, qualify off rating and stuff. Oh, wait, I, I think I actually might know where Prince George is off the top of my head. That would be funny. <laughs> well, it's Pacific Northwest, so it's, I generally know where a bunch of that stuff is. Uh, um, like, like, I, when I first moved up here, I was like, okay, whatever, I can still qualify off rating because I can... I can win a lot at Magic, but I can't travel. So when they change it to the system that wants you to travel, I'm like, this. I just got dream crushed. Misplay. But, it's like, if, if I don't qualify for the PT after being able to go to a GP and stuff, I'm, I'm pretty disheartened. Like, it'll pretty much take away any hope I have for, for grinding onto the Pro Tour. Yeah, and the thing that's also nice is that people like Aaron Forsythe are listening on Twitter. So, like, I've talked to him um, a bit about uh, Planeswalker points and, you know, things about Magic in general, and he's willing to listen to, to people. I, I mean, as long as you don't, like, completely, like, berate him, for example. But um, it is nice that they do listen, and they do um, respond to their Twitter accounts and things like that. So, like, anyone that's listening, if, if you have, like, any qualms with, Anything Wizards does in general, just hit up uh, Aaron Forsythe, Mark Rosewater, uh, Tom Lapile, Mike Turian. Who's Mike actually Turian. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Mike Turian would be the guy to go to. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. The first time I ever tweeted him was when I found out SCG was times three multiplier, and it came like I, I had to really resist the urge to to actually berate him. But yeah, it's it's hard to berate someone to begin with when you can only do it in 140 characters. Yeah, but you just look really like like you spasms over your keyboard, like you just fall face first on it. <laughs> it's like S U C ah. like I I even wrote an article about it early on, like right after it came out, and I'm, it's it's looking like I'm pretty much spot on with it. The, the only thing that has actually been wrong about my estimates has been that I didn't check to, to see that most of the GPs remaining in this season were not in the U.S. So so people outside of the U.S. actually have a decent amount of Planeswalker points. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I, I don't... I, and talking anymore about that, and I'm gonna be mad. The only thing that has been keeping me from from punching babies and stuff over Planeswalker points is this, which I will put in the show notes because it is very good for for holding back some rage. I saw you um, link that to me before we did the recording. I went to there. It was like uh, <laughs> that's just so awesome. Yeah. It, it, it's a good way to, to get rid of some rage because like even now like I'm I'm not even angry and I just kind of like 
look at it and I scroll, like, I try to scroll away from it and then I just put it back on my screen and I get this smile and I'm like, about to start laughing. Just make that your wallpaper. <laughs> like, that, that should be, like, if, if I can, if I can figure it out, I'm gonna make that my, my MTGO background. Like, my flame mat on MTGO. Oh yeah, so, just, <laughs> just, just like, file it. I'm gonna have to see because I haven't really fiddled with all that stuff. So I don't know how to do it. Yeah, I don't play MTGO, um, but I don't. I I don't see why you can just like tile that image on your playmat. Sometimes MTGO is a little glitchy. I find where, like, I've, I've had it where sometimes my mat is just green because it doesn't show an image. Yeah. So it happens where it's kind of messed up, and then like some you can make it so you have a full art Gideon and stuff, or all your lands are John Avon lands, and I have no idea how to do that, and I'm not going to risk it because I don't want my computer to to burn and like, catch fire. And the I haven't been playing a lot of MTGO. My like even though I pretty much started on MTGO for like the longest time and doing the videos and stuff, I just haven't. I haven't had the drive standard isn't that interesting, and Innistrad block hasn't come on. Like, Yeah, that's the thing. Like, as soon as, like, standard usually doesn't have, like, a whole lot of interest, like, as soon as one of the, the, the later block rotates, and then the new block rotates in, but you only have one set of that block, it takes at least, like, the second set before, like, standard really um, picks up in terms of interest value. <laughs> The other thing that like is kind of bugging me is uh, that they change their daily events, which is like a variety and everything. And it's supposed to be like sealed, and they still have scars of Meriden block sealed, but they took away scars of Meriden block constructed, which was horrible. Once New Frexia came out and Tempered Steel was the best deck, like un the siege was so good. They have extended, which does not fire at all, except maybe in PTQ season. They have Momir, which is a fun format. I've done videos of Momir. It's super oh. random. Mojo Stow. Mojo Stow is awesome. I haven't been able to play that in forever, though, but that is an awesome format. The The weirdest ones is there's um, 100 card singleton, which like isn't as awesome as Commander, so I don't know why they... It sounds like, it sounds like Commander, except you don't have... Uh, a general, and you don't have color identity restrictions. Yeah, it's just, it's really weird. And then they have, what, what the heck was it, Kaleidoscope? And oh, I think, like five color? Yeah. Like where you run, isn't that where you have the, it's the 250 card deck, and you have to have 50 of each color? Yeah, or I, I'm not even sure what it is, but That's I do know. five color. It sounds, it sounds like it, it would be yeah. Kaleidoscope. Yeah. But the weirdest Part is just like I have I have seen neither of those in the daily event section, except like I see them maybe once every four months. Like when I just happen to look and it's like, oh look, that that actually fired, but it's it's like why can't they just bring block constructed? Like but it's going to be the next PT, so it's weird why they wouldn't do that. Hasn't it been a while since they've done a, a pro tour for block constructed, or is my memory just? Bad. Uh, PT Nagoya was Scar's block and oh, yeah, that's right, one, which was the like the PT that uh, PV one. Because the last 
relevant block constructed format I remember, uh, aside from Scar's block, was uh, Time Spiral constructed. Wow. Like, yeah. Wizards hasn't been paying a whole lot of attention. Like, back in the day, Wizards paid a lot more attention to block constructed. Mm-hmm. But it looks like they're starting to pick it back up again, which sounds nice. Yeah, I think they they did stop block constructed for a while. They I think they brought it back with Zendikar and PT San Juan. Yeah, but it's because what they also do is that all the the block PTs end up being draft day two and draft top eight, so the block portion isn't really all that relevant. Yeah, because like for example, um, uh, like block PTs back um several years ago, they were um like, pretty much pure block constructed. So, like, it was block constructed day one, block constructed day two, and top eight was block constructed. Before they made it to split formats? Yeah, like, uh, um, Mirrodin, uh, Mirrodin constructed, like, the first Mirrodin constructed block was like that with, um, Pro Tour Kobe, and then Kamigawa block, which was actually not that bad of a format despite how, how underpowered that um, block was as a whole. Uh, Kamigawa block had that with Pro Tour. Oh, I don't know if I can remember off the top of my head, but they had Pro Tour for that. Uh, Onslaught had one with Pro Tour Venice. Uh, Time Spiral block had one. I want to say Ravnica did as well, but I don't know too much. I know there was one for Time Spiral for sure, but basically, they uh, Wizards paid a lot more attention to block instructors back then before they split off and didn't really care about that much. Um, well, I mean, we can pretty much start doing shout-outs and stuff. We've, we've covered pretty much everything. So I'll start with Jason. Okay, uh, so let's see. Uh, shout-out to uh, Sean and Amanda, who couldn't be on the cast with us tonight. Uh, and then shout-out to my Brewport Avenue podcast mates, and, uh, you know, usual, like, girlfriend plug. Okay, I guess um, I'll do my shout-outs then. Um, first one, I want to give my sh- uh, shout-outs to um, uh, my buddies at CommanderCast, uh, Andy, Carlos, Donovan, Sean, uh, all those guys that have um, contributed to the podcast in some way or form. Um, pretty good being there. I want to give shout-outs also to um, some buddies on MTG Salvation Forums and also the uh, Dan and Drew, uh, two of the guys in my real-life play group that I really love playing Commander with, and I think that's going to do it for me. <laughs> uh, so we'll close with me. Uh, shout-out to uh, everyone who I met at P- uh, GP Montreal, which I don't believe I got to say that on the last cast. I think it was before <laughs> GP Montreal. It's been a while. Um, a shout out to everyone who's still writing for Red Site Wins because I think it's they're doing it for the love of the game, pretty much. And hopefully, we get to the point that I can actually pay them <laughs> for their work. And thanks to Byron for making a guest appearance. Yes, thank and you very much for having me on the show. And. I do have one reverse shout-out for anyone who actually plays League of Legends, which has been keeping me sane for the past week, instead of being depressed over magic. Fuck oh, man. Kibbers. Fuck Annie and her stupid bear Kibbers. 
and they're annoying <laughs> like so annoying I don't know why they made her um so yeah reverse shout out to to goddamn teddy bear and with that we'll call it an end and look we pretty much did it like cast it burn